Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? All right, we have Nick Gray from Fandroid back on the show. Uh, and the two of us get together for basically three different sections of this show. The first two are uh, half-hour chunks. The first half hour is about our iPhone pre-order experience and why we ended up picking the iPhones that we picked. In my case, the iPhone 12 Pro. In his case, the regular iPhone 12. The second half of this particular episode is more about the Pixel 5 with a little bit of OnePlus 8T talk built in. Uh, Now, the next half hour after that was, of course, our post-show Q&A and Hangout that we did on Instagram Live. That is a separate episode that you can look forward to here on the podcast feed. So if you're new here, thank you so much for listening and make sure you're following the podcast so you know when that next section of this episode comes out in a couple of days or so, uh, because that one is all about one of the most interesting phones of the year, the LG Wing. We not only talk about the LG Wing in mostly positive terms because of how experimental and how fun this phone is, but we also answer a few questions from the chat uh, in regards to this very unique LG smartphone. Uh, But from there, we're going to go ahead and get into this episode with Nick Gray from Fandroid. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you stick around by following the show and also following us on social media so you know when those Instagram Live Q&A hangouts happen. With all that said, let's get into the show. Enjoy. What day? It was just two days ago that we did our pre-orders... No, it was just yesterday. It feels like two days ago. You've you've had a, a weird two days ago. No, one day ago we pre-ordered yeah. the iPhone. Yes, because you stayed up all night, so you have no clue what day it is. You lost I have a day. No, I lost a day. My time zone math was bad as well. I keep forgetting that Nick is not two hours ahead of me. Um, he's I'm tipsy. on East Coast time, which is insane because Ohio's nowhere near the East Coast. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, because I keep thinking of where you are and it feels more inland than... It does. That being said, so I used to live in Minnesota, which is central time, Mm -hmm. but Minnesota is, or where I lived in Minnesota is an 11 hour drive from here. Right? And so... There's someone we know who's, who's central time. I'm trying to remember who... But there's someone who I've had on the podcast before who's Central Time, and I and I'm, I'm struggling to remember. Um, Aren't I some thought places it was in Texas Central Time? I think so, but I'm trying to think of like podcast guests. But in any case, like yeah, um, yeah so not that's, me. There are not a couple me. of reasons why the episode's coming out like right now, or rather that we're recording it now. Number one, I can give a quick little teaser for next week. Actually, Jaime is finally out of the woods as far as like being in south america he has been in new york literally doing his lawful quarantine for the past two weeks and now that he is coming out of quarantine he's actually going to be popping over to la um and we are going to be together next week once the iphone drops so we're i'm going to help him with his videos i'm just doing an unboxing once mine just pops in but he's actually going to be working out of my actual office my physical office um that i barely go to these days because i've created such a good home set um but yeah like next week we're gonna have jaime not only back on the show but in the flesh so it's gonna be pretty awesome um so looking forward to that, I miss next that guy week. yeah it's gonna be good to be able to see uh appear like i've <laughs> see, seen see somebody in person yeah like i've seen tk he's pretty much the only person i've seen in person you know, like one of the few LA YouTube tech YouTubers that I, let's say, actively hang out with. Like there are other ones, but we don't like we're not really tight like that. <laughs> yeah, so. I've seen nobody. So <laughs> or is, I is there tell, anybody else may, in the come, old? Come visit me after you visit Josh. You can sleep in my office. <laughs> I got a couch. 
how, how are there are there um are there any of our peers in like the ohio area or um there is a another youtuber uh that has a i forget how large his channel is but another tech youtuber that's in the area mm -hmm. um i i haven't met him i've met him on twitter and we've been chatting a little bit but uh no there's i mean there's um scott webster from android guys mm -hmm. uh the editor-in-chief of android guys i've known him for years he actually lives about 45 minutes to an hour away from where i do so yeah he's he's close but uh other than that um i don't know anybody else in ohio mm. i think i think it's been a long time since i've even read uh, like like the, it's been a long time since these synapses in my brain have been firing. I think in my memory bank that Joe Hindi from Android Authority is a Columbus boy. I'm trying to okay. remember. Um, but anyway. Uh, we should map everybody out. Put yeah, the, we're gonna mark have, everybody on a map, right? I did think during my during my transition period from Android Authority to Solo um, and Slash Pocket now, I did think of like if I had enough money to do it, I wanted to do sort of like a tour of tech YouTubers in the U.S., just fly to certain places. I wanted to see Lon in Kansas City. I wanted to see a bunch of people in New York, obviously. I don't know where you were at the time. You were probably still like on the road. Trap. I, I was on the road, so you could just come to the road and hang out <laughs> with us on the road. Just walk outside and, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, I was I, I was coming to you, remember? And you just went yeah, available. I bailed. I was, I was in the LA area. I went area. to China. I went to China, I think is what it was. I, I, had, I had brunch with Juan. Uh-huh. Um, There's another you one. Were Juan, never... Juan and TK are the ones who are here that I do yeah. actively hang out with. But what Juan, well, they both have families. But I think I see TK more than Juan. Yeah, partially for that reason. <laughs> Shame on you. Well, they're also you like... don't like to hang out with married people. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's funny too because like TK and I talk about it all the time. Like he's in an area called the san fernando valley juan is not too far from there either and it's literally the other side of los angeles compared to me and to people from la that's like that's asking forever in a day right that is that's like that's asking way too much of us anyway not to get too far into the to the ge geographical locations of all of our tech youtuber friends and whatnot um yes we did mention just about a day ago we we, I stayed up, not we, I stayed up because I knew that I wasn't going to wake up at 5 a.m. on time to get the actual iPhone pre-ordered. Uh, the thing is, so what was your experience like uh, with the iPhones and which ones did you end up getting? Uh, so I woke up. Mr. Fandroid. I was, I was awake <laughs> at 7 o'clock and I was did my usual morning routine of scrolling Twitter and catching up on the news that happened overnight. Um, and then I realized, oh yeah, today's iPhone day. I guess I should order one. Yeah. And you, that, so those for, were literally for me, it was, your words to me. It was like, I guess, I guess I could I get one. I guess I should order one. I, I looked at my wife. I was like, I'm going to go order an iPhone. She like rolled her eyes and said, really, you're going to order an iPhone. Um, but I usually do this in the fall for the last, I don't know, this is the third year in a row that I've been ordering iPhones, um, uh, mainly because. Um, everybody wants to know what the comparison is. Yes, I do own and run an Android related website. We don't do a whole lot of iPhone coverage, but it's nice to have that comparison just because I prefer one platform over another. doesn't mean I can't touch the other platform. That doesn't mean I'm ever going to buy an iPhone with my personal money because honestly, I don't like the ecosystem. Uh, we, besides the iPhones that I buy to review, we don't have any other Apple products in the house and I kind of like it that way. Um, but 
Yeah, the ordering experience was okay. I, uh, last year and <laughs> the year before, um, I, I decided to buy it an hour after it opened and the things were sold out. So I went yep. into this, where can I get it from? Uh, the year before, I just gave up because by the time I got my pre-order into the system, it was like, it's going to arrive two weeks later than everybody else was getting it. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. So I went out on launch day to try to pick something up at retail. But no, I, I hit the page and hit refresh, hit refresh, hit refresh, sent you a screenshot of what the heck is this? Because it was supposed to start at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Eastern well, you time. get that you get this like really teasery page on the Apple store like the entire we're, Apple we're store finalizing goes down. we're finalizing some last bits and I'm yeah. like couldn't you start that like three minutes before eight o'clock <laughs> I mean I worked in corporate web development and I know how launches go and stuff like that I'm like you can plan all of this in advance and hit your mark right on the dot you don't have I, to I, be three minutes late I will also say, though, that, um, first of all, the Apple Store app on the actual iPhone um, is, uh, is it was probably the best experience from what I heard from people on Twitter that they had the easiest time ordering using the actual app, whether it was an, mm-hmm. on an iPhone or an iPad or anything like that. Uh, the, yeah, that, that first screen that says, like, hey, um, we'll see you in a bit. Uh, we'll see you at 5 a.m. PDT. Enjoy the extra sleep. I was mm-hmm. like... Screw you, Apple. I've got well, no, no, so sleep. they had they had that page up, but then, then right at the other one, yeah. then they had another one that replaces that for like two and a half minutes. Yep. And so I hit that and then finally I kept I kept refreshing the same page and I kept getting it. And then you sent me a message saying, Okay, order done. And I'm like done. I'm still getting this page. The state of all and night. So I, and then here I, I go, went, like one minute and I go, done. <laughs> and then so I go back to the home page and click the page again, and then it lets me in. And just out of curiosity, I kept refreshing the other page, and it still had that same page reloading saying coming soon. And that just pissed me off. And then I started getting <laughs> – the page was super slow. I started getting uh, 502 errors once I started. I that's, added my – That's the part that would frustrate me, yes. Oh, my gosh. 502 errors, and then even just waiting about 45 seconds to three minutes – to go between one page and another one. And I know their systems get overloaded, but there is no reason for things to go that slow. I mean, if Amazon can handle all, like 60% of the world ordering products on their website, they should be able to handle something like this. Well, like, I think I think they handled it better than most of the pre-orders that I've done. Like, granted, there are a lot of pre-orders that have gone down during quarantine that I never thought I would do otherwise. Um, I like, for example, I went through the slog that was both game consoles pre-orders. Yeah, not me. Oh God, it was the worst. Um, Why would you spend that much money on gaming? When do you have time? This is a very true thing. And this is also the the typical YouTuber problem, which is like, I'll get it for content. And you just never do any content. You never do. You never do. You're going to do like one video and be like, hey, that was fun. I, you know, I will say, and I I can't, I can't spill any beans on this next part, uh, but I will say that I have made a couple of relationships with people in the gaming industry who are going to send me like early codes and early access to games and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that. You might start seeing gaming content over on my actual channel. So I, I, I want to, I've, I've expressed this many times before. I want to do this. I just never been able to do it. 
Um, but yeah, uh, those pre-orders were the worst. It was just click, 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 click. And in my case, it was like trying to get it on Best Buy. Um, the mm-hmm. Microsoft one was funny, though, because for the Xbox, it was one of those moments where I saw everyone was pre-ordering it and they were having a hard time. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went to Microsoft.com. I did a little bit of research. I was like, okay, Xbox Series S looks like my my deal because as as powerful as the Series X might be, I don't need physical games. I could just download them. So I might as well save some money. I hit I hit add to cart, I hit buy, and it failed. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just try for the next few minutes. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's cool. Two minutes later, <laughs> your order has been received. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And everybody and when I tweeted that, there were a bunch of people on my tweet that were like, How did you do that? <laughs> uh, I was like, I I don't know, I just kind of moseyed into the Black Friday deal, uh, Black Friday sale and just walked out with everything everyone wanted. <laughs> Yeah, just like haphazard. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't even planning on buying this. Good I wasn't. Thing I did. I'm a PlayStation guy, <laughs> but I will say I because I've become more of a PC gamer. It opened me up to like the Xbox stuff. Anyway, it's going to be a show full of tangents. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, but yes, which which uh, items did you order? Um, I really wanted to order the iPhone 12 mini, but as everybody knows, it's not available to pre-order yet until November. So I got the regular 12 in green and because I'm just using this, no, not the pro, not the pro. I mean, honestly, like the, the camera difference really isn't there except for the zoom lens on the back, right? Like that's the only real difference between the pro i don't remember if they're the same sensors but you're right fundamentally yes fundamentally and honestly most people are are going to buy the 12 over the pro i mean that's what the numbers have always shown Mm -hmm. um people are buying the cheaper iphone um and so that's that's what i bought it's i'm going to be using it for camera comparisons and the overall experience of the device itself just so that i'm you know, up to snuff on what the iOS experience is compared to Android and the software and the overall device experience isn't going to be different. And also I am a small phone kind of guy. I got the pro last year and I was a little underwhelmed with it. So I thought I'd go with, with the regular 12 and honestly, I wanted to go with the mini. So, uh, kind of disappointed. I didn't get the mini. Well, I went for, I might once it comes available. Yeah, I went I went pro. Um and my I, I've I've this is well documented. I've said this on many a review and podcast. I can't go max. I just can't. It won't it will never happen. It's too um, big. It's too big. It is heavy um, too. Well, it's the same dilemma I have with the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4A 5G. Because the Pixel 4a 5G, I will admit, is probably the phone that most people will gravitate to if they especially if they want bigger screens. But it's just once you hold the Pixel 5, and if you're the kind of person who just wants like just easy ergonomics and stuff like that, holding the Pixel 4a 5G is just like, it feels bloated in comparison. And that's how I felt about the Pro Max, 10S, 10S Max, 11 Pro Max. Um, barely used the 11 Pro Max because I already bought a Pro. But this time around, I'm, I'm going to get the 11, 12 Pro. I'm going to get the iPhone 12 Pro. And then... When the next pre-order cycle comes in, I want to get the Max just to try it out. And I'll decide at that point which one I want to keep. Definitely going to go for the 11, uh, go for the iPhone 12 mini. Um, You're right. I think that, well, I do think that the mini is probably going to be the biggest 
seller. I think it's going to be the biggest seller just because it is the exact same phone as the regular, except mm-hmm. what is a hundred bucks cheaper. Yeah. And Hey, if for a hundred bucks cheaper, might as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm upset though, because the, 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 which leads me to why I'm upset about the max models. Once again, not just that the large body makes it a little bit unwieldy, which is kind of a big problem for me. The, the fact that the sensors are actually different in the camera really frustrate me because it makes me feel like as a content creator or as somebody who wants to literally use the phone as a content creation tool if you want the best of the best you they apple pretty much like put up another layer of the walled garden they're just like here you go like if you want the sensor shift stabilization that i use on cameras like this panasonic right here like you're gonna need it on the pro max model and i'm just like why why did you do this i don't want to pay over the $1,000 mark just for that. Um, it might be worth it, but I just, I don't know. I can't justify that amount of money. Um, yeah, especially, I for, mean, especially for quality of life aspects that I need to have that are fundamental. So Yeah. No, well, and that's the thing, though. Like, you, at that point, you need to start thinking, if you are using this phone uh, and you're a creative professional who is making money off of the content you're creating, do you really need this phone or do you need a real camera? And that's where I start looking and a lot of people looking at devices like, you know, the Note 20 Ultra and the great cameras that it has there with the Periscope Zoom and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's a great device, but Sony makes point-and-shoot cameras that have 5X zoom and better with one inch sensors or larger that take incredible video that costs less than that smartphone does. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to, do you need a phone that does cameras as well? Or is your focus on cameras and you need a regular phone and buy a dedicated piece of hardware? Because honestly, you're always going to get better video out of a dedicated piece of hardware. It's just about how much of an inconvenience you want it to be. Yeah. Because you have to carry that secondary device. But once anybody who does carry that secondary device will tell you the experience uh, when you finally get the footage is so much better than anything you're ever going to get out of a smartphone. Yeah, I agree, Uh, which is why I understand it's it's literally the way I preface a lot of things. When people ask me what my what my preferences are, I have to Mm -hmm. preface it with I'm not the right person to ask because i'm the guy who literally wears a fanny pack on his chest that has my you pixel, do yeah that has a pixel 5 a well wallet keys hand sanitizer mask but also i have my pixel 5 or iphone 11 pro um one or the other most of the time and then a sony zv1 and i only or a use now we're going to talk about that after the break because it is one of those it is it is a really exciting phone i'm so happy that i it's have a crazy it. camera too i mean tying mm-hmm. into that conversation it's got this weird crazy camera which i kind of like so yeah i'm excited to talk about that yeah. but i mean this week there's been so much so we had the iphone launch we had the OnePlus plus 8t launch and mm-hmm. also reviews hitting i haven't done my review yet and i don't think you have either i did just uh, because there was I did an initial first review. impressions, yeah, right, basically, because there's a lot then, that I already wanted to say about the phone, um, and also I needed to explain why my audience on my actual channel will not be seeing a full-on camera test with that phone. It's because it is a T model, and a lot about it is pretty much what you would expect from OnePlus up until now, with a few added features. So, yeah, 
And then we could finally talk about the Pixel 5. Because we've had the Pixel 5 since late last week, but mm-hmm. we can finally finally talk about it. So I will say, if anybody is listening to the main episode right now, like literally this is the main episode, um, you might want to head over to the Instagram to see the IG Live saved Q&A that we're going to do post-show. Because I just got a notification on my watch and on my phone that the MagSafe case and the MagSafe charger just arrived at my doorstep <laughs> kind of odd that those came in so i'll show them off during the q a i don't know how much i'll be able to say about it because i don't have the iphone 12 pro yet so <laughs> it's a magnet yeah it's a magnet so i'll i'll do like a quick unboxing look at the case Ooh, there's a magnet right here like you know that's what i'll do but i just wanted to say it's funny how some of the items are coming now as eco-friendly as apple wants to be by taking the charger out of the box why are you sending me multiple packages <laughs> like this card this this carbon footprint is not it, it, it's it's breaking even right now apple okay but can we talk about being eco-friendly here because anyone who's owned an iphone before still needs to buy a charger because for, it's for the a, fast charging a, well no for any charging because it gives you a a lightning to usb-c charger which unless you own a MacBook within the last couple years oh, or the yeah. last two years, you don't own a lightning, t- you don't own a USB-C charging brick unless you've had an Android phone. So if you've been within the Apple ecosystem and you own a previous iPhone, you must go out and buy a charging brick with the phone because or else you're not gonna be able to charge it unless you have a MacBook. That's less than two years old. Yeah, I didn't think of it so that way. So for us, I have, I have, I don't know, a dozen Android phones on my desk right now. And so I have more than enough chargers to go around for my iPhone. But iPhone users aren't going to have any USB-C charging bricks laying around their house. At least not extra ones, because the one they use for their Mac is being used for their Mac to plug it in. That's it's true. Not, I'm... I'm looking at the website right now, and I wanted to go to where because it's you. It's to USB C and not USB C A. So as as much as they want to say that they're doing this for the environment, every single person who's already an iPhone user will most likely need to buy the charging brick for this device anyways oh my god you're right okay so the reason why i didn't think of it this way is because i had thought at the very least that this cable would come with some sort of adapter to usba no it does not no wow yeah that's a problem Um, so they just they just said here's this iphone now you also have to have to buy if you're buying it from us i think their charger charging brick is 15 or 20 bucks so it's on top of and people are going to get this device and not have it in the house and not think about it and have to go out and buy one or buy one on amazon the next day yeah once they i'm looking forward to that to be honest i want to see what the reaction is because there are probably going to be a lot of people come friday who will open up the box and then realize that Mm -hmm. you know even after all of the reporting and the event saying like we're not putting a charging brick in there they're going to still open it up and realize that the cable is different or they just didn't know that there's no charger in there they just didn't realize well i mean granted they can use their old cable fair that's if you've been in it um but if if you're selling your old phone mm -hmm. and getting rid of your cable and giving your cable away with your old phone yeah i agree i don't know it's one of those things where they didn't think it all the way through 
Well, I think they did actually, because you know this is what this is the cynical <laughs> from a business decision. Exactly, yeah, they totally yeah. did. Yeah, this is the cynical Android publication homies right here, just mm-hmm. like putting on our conspiracy theory hats. That like, of course, they took the charger out of the box and they said it's eco friendly, and that's one thing. But then, if you're going to end up paying more money and you're buying yet another box that has the charger in it, that's doubling up on the carbon footprint. Because it's not just oh, so, that. It's not just that. There's no charger one box, in the box. It's, it's two, two boxes. boxes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's two boxes. So, I I totally get the eco friendly and literally I have drawers full of chargers, so I don't need another charger. Exactly. That being said, chargers fail, cables fail on a regular basis, and I can't tell you how many cables I've gone through and chargers I've gone through on. I don't know, just within the last year of things failing and getting rid of them, but. With this, yes, they went through, they probably had a presentation talking about what the carbon footprint of this is and all that. What they didn't tell you is that during that same presentation, they also had a chart or probably multiple charts about how many chargers, increased charger sales they're expecting to have from this and how much revenue that's going to drive for the company, how much money they're saving from shipping, not having to ship it in the box in the first place charging you for shipping the second time around to buy the thing and also the extra profit margin because when they include it in the box they save maybe a dollar or two but when they sell it to you later they make 13 35. to 14 dollars <laughs> yeah, but like just the chargers are like 13 because i oh, think gotcha. they dropped the price of the charger itself so they're, they're making but that's not the fast like charger pr- is it the one you're talking I, about for 15 do they no, but most people are going to buy the cheapest one. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just I mean, they're yeah. going to like do I want the $40 one or do you want the $18 one? No, I will and say why if, is there, if if Apple is why throwing is there fast you fast charger $40. Yeah. Okay, so I'm kind of wingmanning uh Apple with this next statement, but if they're giving you the USB-C to lightning cable, you kind of you kind of should just go for the fast charger because one of the biggest problems with previous iPhones was that even if you wanted the fast charger, you needed to have a whole different cable. Mm. So now you're being given that cable. So you, it, it kind it's, it's, and I'm not even saying that you should get the Apple specific fast charger. There are going to be plenty. You could use any USB C charger. Um, you know, so put in a, put in a couple extra dollars or something like that. Get one from like anchor or Aki or something. Um, well, but it, it they don't, those use power delivery. This doesn't use power delivery. Doesn't it? Doesn't it have? I thought it's their own. Their own proprietary. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's fast I'm pretty, charging. I'm pretty sure it's because power delivery is over USB C, and theirs through, is through Lightning. No, well, the standard is that the actual plug is different, but the standard is the same. It should be. I, this, this is what I, this is what I'm thinking at least, because like I'm pretty sure that you could just use other USB C chargers. You may not get what's the full um, uh, wattage that. Apple is touting is it 27? I'm trying to remember. Um I I don't know. You may not get the full wattage that Apple is touting, but you're going to get at least 18 because that is what power delivery is. So, I I'm pretty sure that you can use any USB. Well, 18 is like the slowest power delivery. Power delivery goes all the way up to 100 and exactly. something. Yeah, 18 is the the minimum, but that's still really good for a power efficient phone like the iPhone. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can use pretty much any USB-C brick and you will have the benefit of fast charging. Maybe not the fastest compared to the Apple chargers, but then again, it's still better than it's still better than just getting the cheapo like low-powered 
Apple charger, you know, so just trying to find the middle path here. So that's, that's my thing. Um, we can, but these are all answers that we can, uh, these are all questions that we can answer once we have our devices. But the other, yeah. the other business side of it is that obviously Apple looked at this and was like, okay, if we take out the charger, that'll drive sales to our chargers, but it'll also drive sales to MagSafe. Like that was the point Wireless that I, yep. I completely scoffed at the whole like MagSafe thing because of two main reasons. And I said this to TK last week, um, or earlier this week when the, uh, actual announcement was was done, we did a Q and a, um, Number one, if you use the wallet, and I did pick up the wallet, Apple knows to uh, Apple knows to pull my heartstrings as a Californian because not only did they have the Pacific Blue iPhone 12 Pro, they also had the California Poppy uh, MagSafe wallet. So I was like, okay, you got me. Uh, so I got the wallet, but I, I I'm not gonna. Be, I don't think anyone should rely on stuff like this because there are people who have the wallet cases for their phones and then they lose their phone. Well, there you go. You just got your identity stolen. You, but, you just lost all your things instead exactly. of just one thing. Yeah. Um, and with the and with the MagSafe stuff, someone could just lift your wallet right off the back of that phone if if they're so, if they are for some reason not trying to get the whole thing. <laughs> like, I'll leave their well, phone. But like, so there's so many wallet cases, right? For for devices, and it's a case that goes around your phone. Mm -hmm. Just imagine this: like we're we're at a bar or something and you someone says oh can can you take a picture for me and your wallet case your oh, mag safe and so like you hand your phone to a stranger with your wallet on the back and they're like yeah here's here's your picture and they just swipe it off and hand you your phone back and like without you even realizing it yep i mean honestly you should swipe it off before you hand them your phone but you, you know people aren't going to do that all the time exactly um, but you know, it, it's one of those things like we there's so many, I don't know, there's so many car chargers that are magnetic with car dock things. And I, I've used a handful of them and I've never really felt safe with magnets holding holding something in place on my phone. Uh, I've, yeah. I've used probably even, a even dozen a different accessories over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Even in even, a backpack, it's gonna yeah you just right throw off. it in your bag. It, like if you put even in your pocket. I mean, just if you have tight jeans and you put this in your back pocket, it's going to get caught on, you know, the little lip of the little seam there and pull it right off. And then you're like, where'd my wallet go? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But for the charging aspect of it, I, I think that's a really good idea. You being able to just plop it down and it it moves it into place and holds mm -hmm. it secure, just like all the chargers for smartwatches, at least the good ones do. Uh, you just put it down, it snaps into place and starts charging. Um, and you know, to but, the uh, to the point of Apple's usual third-party accessory, just like they dominate that space. Um, there's so many, like I'm even wearing, I'm wearing three different accessories on just my Apple Watch SEO right now. Um, the I can already see people taking this MagSafe, just the charger, and putting it in a bunch of different like quirky little cases and putting them in fun little things. Like I can already see that this is going to be one of those. Um, it's going to be another, another opportunity for manufacturers to create fun stuff. And I get it. It could be fun. I'm into that. That's cool. But I just worry. I shudder to think how many college students are going to lose all their cards and their identities in the club <laughs> because the, Who knows? Mag, yeah, because yeah. the, they MagSafe. shouldn't be going to clubs right now. 
Oh yeah, no. So yeah, but um, and also, the, but also that example you just said, where when we're finally able to travel, people are going to want pictures of everything, and it's good. People yeah, are you hand get your phone to a stranger it. to get a picture. Yeah, I guess that better have a good selfie camera so that you're not handing the phone off to somebody else to take a picture for you. Hundred percent. On the topic of oh, selfies, yes. we are going to shift gears from the iPhone 12 and talk about probably what a lot of us think is one of the best selfie cameras of all time. Usually, uh, so from there, let's go ahead and pop into a quick break. You know, it's funny. I keep thinking to myself that whenever we do the iPhone talk on the show, before we even have the iPhones in our hands, it's like fairly shallow discussions, but that's because we don't have the iPhones in our hands. So, <laughs> um, so well, hopefully everyone still enjoys it. You can only, when you don't have launch events and you're not able to have some hands-on time mm-hmm. uh, at once a device is launched, typically there's, even if we aren't invited to a launch event, other people have, so we can talk from what their experiences have been. Yeah. Uh, but as of right now, nobody's held a new iPhone, which is really weird. Like, uh, at least some of these other launch events, like they give us the devices before the launch events under embargo. And Normally, so that when like the embargoes the, lift, the Verge and Marquez would have their videos out already. And- yep. Yeah, we, yeah would have a, nope, we would have a very no. good idea of what to expect from the phone, but nope, not this time. Um, but in any case, this week was also home to a couple of big releases. We have the Pixel 5 in hand, as uh, Nick is uh, affectionately holding, um, and so will I. I'm fondling. <laughs> I'm fondling my Pixel 5. No, I think you touched on it earlier about how this phone and the Pixel 4a 5G are so similar. But once you hold the Pixel 5 in your hand, you realize why this phone is a $200 premium over the other one. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, from a software experience, performance experience, camera experience, they are the same device. But from a fit and finish experience, the Pixel 5 is is a premium product where the Pixel 4a 5G is definitely a mid-range budget feeling smartphone. I mean, it, it feels, I think you said it uh, when we were chatting, it feels cheaper than the Pixel 4 4a, which is $150 cheaper than the Pixel 4a 5G. Yes, I agree with that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I did say that. But yeah, just this, this whole metal phone with a great OLED, 90 hertz, all that stuff. I I don't know. There's, there's, there's certain terms that have become so cliche in in 2020 when it comes to these phones like the s20 fe this um and now coming up is going to be the iphone 12 or the iphone 12 mini it's just sort of this idea that the fundamentals have to be so good and they are so good you can expect the fundamentals to be amazing and this is kind of what you get in in return is that you have a good processor in here that might not be the absolute best for things like gaming or anything like that, but it will still do the job very well. You have mm. camera hardware that might not be like 108 megapixels or anything like that, but you still enjoy the photos and the build quality. Like this is what I'm going to say in my final reviews, as some people have been saying is, it's just the way I'm wording it. This is the most excitingly boring phone. <laughs> Like there's nothing, there's actually uh, nothing that's so eye-catching about this device, but you know what you're getting, and that's what makes it so nice. I I would say that the Pixel 4a is more excitingly boring, Agreed. just from what it de- from what it delivers, because mm-hmm. these phones deliver the same thing. This simply has that added touch that makes it a more premium device. Again, this is not a flagship smartphone. There's the performance that you're going to get out of the Pixel 5 is 
so far removed from what you would get from the OnePlus 8T. I mean, the OnePlus 8T is going to run circles around that device with 12 gigabytes of RAM and the Snapdragon 865 processor. I mean, that phone's a beast for the price. Um, But that being said, I mean, there's no reason why anybody should consider not buying the Pixel 5 when if your priorities are not cutting edge performance, but an overall well-rounded experience, they're proving time and time again, Qualcomm's done an incredible job this year with the Snapdragon 765 and the 765G that a mid-range tiered chipset is more than powerful enough to give you great software experience just overall using the device, but also enough power to play some extremely taxing mobile games. It's phenomenal. So you, like you said, you've been doing a video a day for the last basically two weeks and, um, killing myself here (laughs) pretty much. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, hats off to you for, for being able to do that. It's something I always say that I want to do and I know I'm capable of as long as I'm healthy and I'm not, but (laughs) the, and this is driving me not to be healthy. So (laughs) exactly. Now here comes the vicious cycle. Like I mentioned before. Um, so my question here is you've done a lot of camera testing and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. we know that Google software is kind of second to none. Uh, especially now with some of the additions like video stabilization and whatnot. So where do you land on this whole notion? And you can tell us what you can tell me and the people what your experience has been like testing this against things like the OnePlus 8T or other phones in your comparisons. Um, When the software is amazing, but the hardware is common, I'll use the word common. I'm not gonna say it's bad. That's common. This is a very this is very run of the mill hardware that we know from mm-hmm. Pixel. It's what off the I, shelf. What is what has your experience been like? Like how is this compared? So, I I think from the perspective of you want to take pictures and they're always going to look good no matter what condition you're going to be in. Google nails that every time. But I think <laughs> they've gotten to the point of. This is seriously the third year in a row that they've used the same 12 megapixel sensor on the back of the phone. So mm-hmm. what you're looking at here is, and at, I think at the time, the, the sensor was from the previous year. So this is like a 2016 sensor that we're using inside of the Pixel 5. Uh, there might be some minor upgrades to it here and there, but it is old hardware. We finally gotten to the point where other manufacturers have caught up and a lot of that has to do with they are using much better hardware on their devices but also they've gotten a lot better at computational photography they're not their level of computational photography is nowhere near what google's is but their combination of using better hardware and computational photography algorithms that are maybe 18 months behind google's produce extremely similar images and the end results i think come down to they are tweaking and fine-tuning their images in a different way than google is 
not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. It's like getting a Samsung phone and knowing, well, Samsung phones are going to be a little bit more poppy, well, a little bit more dramatic in the final delivery of the image than a lot of other smartphones are doing. Uh, and that's not to say that the hardware or the software is worse. It's just that's the way, they, the way that they've tuned it. And if yeah. you go into manual mode, you can actually take a much different picture that can capture the same amount of detail as any other device. That being said, Taking selfies on a Pixel smartphone is far and away the best experience out of any smartphone, uh, except for the Pixel 3 that had that second front-facing camera with the ultra-wide lens giving you even more capabilities there, allowing you to frame the background better they're getting uh, if narrower you're trying to capture the scene. Like uh, this year, this year, I think is the same as last year's. Um, it's like it's like two degrees narrower. I yeah, think. yeah. So it's just slight, but like yeah. compared to the one one plus eight T, it's super wide compared to one pluses. And so I do with my camera comparison between one plus eight T and the Pixel device. Um, I'm I'm looking at it. and I'm like. Man, was my arm like a foot and a half longer holding the phone away from my <laughs> face? Because that's what it looks like. Um, you know what? For, so for, like just a, having... for like a vlogger like me, I, I hate when that happens, when the front-facing camera is like too tight. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, they put the ultrawide on the back, and it's it's actually a, you, a you pretty can reliable use, one. Yeah, yeah, you can use the ultrawide on the back if you want to record video. <laughs> also and 4K. I, I did some of that in my camera tests. Um, and I don't know, like... If you're looking for a great selfie camera, and a lot of people who listen to this podcast and read tech blogs will say, I never use my selfie camera. It's the most useless camera on a phone. I will say the general consumer strongly disagrees with you mm -hmm. because Instagram is full of pictures of people posting pictures of themselves. Yep. In doing different situations. The average user is simply using the phone to take pictures of themselves. Yeah. I hand my phone off to my daughters to record something or whatever. They're simply turning it on and taking pictures of themselves and then using another app to draw things on the picture. Of, they're not taking pictures of things. They want to show themselves. That's what people want to do. That's why it's called the selfie, the, the selfish cam, the selfie cam. The selfish cam. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, people love it. And I, I would say Facebook and Instagram probably have really good numbers to show that it's probably one of the most used cameras when po people post pictures. I mean, a lot yeah. of people use professional DSLRs and then put them on Instagram. I would say there's, there's probably fewer of those than there are people taking selfies like 30 times a day and posting pictures. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it, so, yeah, I mean, the selfie camera, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, for what it is, even though it's, again, as you said, mediocre hardware, eight megapixels compared to what do we have over here? I, 32 I, megapixels I on the 20, FE. a 16. Yeah. Like there's a bunch in front uh, of me right now. 16 on the OnePlus 8T. Um, just the sharpness and the clarity that you can get out of it. And also for portrait shots, if you were looking to take portrait shots and now that they've added nighttime portrait shots mm -hmm. with night sight so now it will brighten the image and also blur out the background at the same time for an incredible effect which typically you could either do one or the other before and a lot mm -hmm. of computing devices still don't add nighttime features to uh their front facing cameras or their ultra wide cameras so having that on all three of the cameras is incredible 
I agree with you there that um, especially from a software standpoint, it's great that they're able to do that. It shows that they're putting in a lot of work uh, in the back end. Uh, I will say, though, shout out to Fisher, uh, Mr. Mobile, for a quick, uh, there's just a very quick test between Night Sight Portrait and just Night uh, night Mode on a Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. There is this whole hardware-software thing where the software of the main camera on the Pixel 5 is putting so much work in and it provides good results. But then when you actually optimize the combination of the two, the natural depth of field, shallow depth of field of the main sensor on the Note 20 Ultra provides that portrait-like look. And then the night mode makes it nice and bright. So it's like, what combination are you looking for here? And clearly Pixel is all about just software on top of everything else. Um, which gets me excited for, I, I hope that Google one day is going to be like, all right, we've proven our software, bam, 48 megapixel sensor, bam, like front-facing camera, 4K60, like, like imagine just how much they'll be able to dominate when Google finally decides that hardware can get a little bit of love. And I'm really that hoping That being said, it. so, I mean, for those who have been following tech news this past summer probably know that the uh, lead engineer from Google who developed the Gcam camera app left and went to Adobe and he's being tasked with putting together a team at Adobe similar to what they had at Google to create essentially a universal Gcam camera app that can mm -hmm. be used on any device using computational photography. It's going to be a year, maybe two years before we actually see any fruits of those labors actually come out to the real world. I'd imagine this is probably going to be a paid app because of all the work that's going to go into it, or they're just going to add it to your regular Adobe subscription of, you know, charging 35 to $40 a month to use all of their services. But that's, that's something really truly to look forward to because Google did it on its dedicated hardware with its pixel devices and proved very clearly that you don't need incredible hardware to take good pictures. That being said, there is some incredible hardware out there that Google is not using. Yep. And I honestly can't wait to see what they or other manufacturers are able to do once they catch up with Google, if that's something that they can actually do and truly take advantage of the hardware that they have at their disposal. Because if Google can do this kind of stuff with 12 megapixel cameras on the back and eight megapixel selfie cameras. What can you do with a 108 megapixel sensor with all of that data? Now we know that's not capturing as much light, but with pixel binning, you can get some incredible 12 megapixel sensor, 12 megapixel images out of there that have more light than what you can get out of the sensors that Google's using. But with computational photography, you can even take that to a whole, a whole nother level. Another level. Um, yeah. And the point that I made in my real world camera test was that the stabilization modes and just need a little bit of a hardware oomph because the cinematic pan, that's fine because that's something that we do mm -hmm. even. Uh, you shoot at 60 and bring it down to 30. Um, and then 
the uh, the active mode is is what it is. You've seen it on pretty much any other phone already. But it's really the locked mode that I want them to focus on with, let's say, a five times telephoto. I can't believe I'm saying this after I lamb lamb what's the term lambasted um, Google for saying that wide angle is not important, telephoto is more important, mm-hmm. and then they create this feature that actually makes telephoto so much more fun, which is the locked mode. The thing is, it's a digital yeah. crop in, and that means that the video is ass. <laughs> No, but so it has to be a digital crop in because they need the extra room outside of the crop in order to stabilize. No, I agree. And, that, that's, know, why it, I said, it, that's why I said it's a five times optical zoom because you can go three times then crop in from the three times. Yes, true. Yeah. True. So, I mean, the that brings me to the stabilization on this phone here, um, which honestly, it has a gimbal feature. Uh, because it has two ultra-wide cameras on the back of the phone, one to be used in regular mode and then one to be used in portrait mode. Uh, it's The sensor is essentially mounted the opposite direction at a 90-degree angle, and it's zooming in on that ultra-wide camera. So you get a regular field of view, but then allowing you to digitally manipulate where the camera is looking and simply look around that image. But then the, I don't know if you've tried the the freeze on that one. It no. really it it freezes the frame. Like I, you can move the phone like this. I keep doing and it. Is, it is you use push that finger on the freeze button and mm. move it around like this. It it doesn't move mm. a pixel. It is so good, um, and that's what I really like about just the android ecosystem is that every manufacturer is just throwing ideas at the wall and something's gonna stick and you know i'm not truly convinced that we need a phone that has a swivel display on the front but give me an ultra wide camera with you know 60 fps uh record time frames and 4k but being able to crop in and freeze it like just imagine if you're zooming in and trying to freeze something in on recording something of your kid across the room and you know you can't hold your hand stable for two to three minutes but you hold that button it just locks it in Mm -hmm. and you're set to go yeah the um i'm actually gonna i'm gonna say we'll probably table full lg wing discussion for our q a because we still have another half hour with all of you um that you can listen to in another episode coming out in a few days main reason why i say that and yes you're right the gimbal mode is very interesting even though it crops in which means you only get 1080p video i know i bellyache on it all the time but hey i'm a creator i need to record at 4k um the the other phone that i want to make sure we don't uh leave off is of course the oneplus 8t and here's where here's where my whole thing is that as as nice that as nice as it is to have T variants, I don't think that this phone is carving out too much of its own place. Um, it's still living in the shadow of the OnePlus 8 Pro, which was already a pretty phenomenal device. It doesn't even have quite the same high-end spec. For example, the wide-angle camera is not 48 megapixels like it was on the OnePlus 8 Pro. Um, and ultimately, if you already have a OnePlus 8 Pro or honestly any other flagship device from even 2019 this phone is not quite as compelling uh as some of the other phones because you've already put down the money for those phones <laughs> well so here's the thing i i think a lot of people are in different upgrade cycles oh yes I mean, we know we know a lot of people 
within our circles that are buying devices multiple times a year. I think the more toned down version of that is somebody who's buying a phone every year. And then there's the regular consumer who is on that 18 to 36 month upgrade cycle, depending yes. on where you are. And I'm talking about if you the broke your phone. Yeah. And so my, my thing is most people aren't buying phones more than once a year. The majority of people aren't even enthusiasts aren't buying phones more than once a year, unless they simply have too much cash to burn. I would say I'm an enthusiast and I never purchased more than one phone per mm -hmm. year. Um, but this phone, like if, if you have not purchased a OnePlus device this year, I think the OnePlus 8T is the better device to get out of all of them. Honestly, like uh, I reviewed the 8 Pro and the 8 earlier this year, and I said the 8 was the better device based off of the value proposition that it offered. Yeah. Performance between these two were the same. Displays were pretty much the same, yet there were some differences there. But as far as the experience that you actually got, you really weren't missing out on that much. Um but I do think, you know, you said you're not going to be doing a real world camera test with this device, but after using this and doing a comparison with the Galaxy S20 FE and the Pixel 5 and doing some side-by-side -side shots with the 8, this honestly, I think is a decent improvement over the 8. And right now with the pricing of the 8 and the 8T, there's only a $50 price difference between the two phones. There's no reason in my book why you should buy the 8 over the 8t i, I think it does have i keep thinking of the I, pro though that's my main thing is like i keep looking yeah. at the pro as the upper echelon no this is this is like if if you've got your eyes set on the pro by the pro this yeah. is not a replacement for the pro in any way shape or form the pro is its own beast it but has, isn't that isn't that the thing though last year the 7t actually dwarfed the pro and I think the year before that, and this, uh, like, I felt like the T was was more fun. Though I think I felt like it was a, it was overall a better phone, partially because the Seven Pro's uh, curved display was just it it didn't really add anything. It, it to didn't the experience. really, <laughs> yeah, I, it didn't add anything to the experience. But then, see, I I think last year was, and even previous years, last year's was different because there was the OnePlus Seven and the 7 Pro, which launched internationally, mm -hmm. and we only got the Pro here in the US. Yeah. And we didn't get the 7. So when the 7T came out, it had a different spin on it. OnePlus was very clear that the 8T is an upgrade over the 8. It is not, it doesn't have anything to do with the 8 Pro. And you know, you talked about the, the ultra wide camera on the back of the phone. And I, I specifically asked them when I had my pre-brief, I was like, you, so you had the ultra-wide on the 8 Pro that could do the ultra-wide and the macro camera. And that was an incredible combo there. You gave us a 5 megapixel macro camera on the back of this phone. And we've been, we've, we've been tearing apart everybody who's been throwing macro cameras on smartphones because they are, they are beyond pointless. Unless you are a, a photographer who needs to take macro cameras and if you are a photographer who needs to take macro shots, you own a real camera with a much better macro macro with lens. Actual macro that, lens. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like the whole point of it being like a me. fixed focus lens. <laughs> this is I a mean, macro lens. Honestly, a a fixed focus macro lens means you need to move the phone so that it's in focus within three centimeters of your subject. 
that that's ridiculous. I yeah. mean, have some focus on there. I, I mean, so it's it's things like that where I think they they lose something in the positioning and the marketing and don't explain the full story sometimes. Um, but this but is also the, I, this is also the syndrome of these. Uh, I'll, I mean, this is not exclusive to Chinese phones. It's just common on Chinese phones. That's why yeah. I'll say it. The this is a syndrome of Chinese phones um, where honestly, like. I'm looking right in the camera. I usually don't do this for the podcast. I'm looking right in the camera. We don't even make a video version of this podcast. Um, the For these companies who just feel like having so many cameras will, for some reason, elevate their smartphones, honestly, look at the Pixels and look at the iPhones um, because we have nothing to complain about when there's literally mm-hmm. nothing to complain nothing about. Nothing to complain about. <laughs> if, you only, if you only include good hardware... Mm-hmm. There's no bad hardware to give us a bad taste in our mouth. Exactly. So if that were the case, if the AT took the Pixel philosophy and was just like main, wide, that's it. You could even save a little bit of money on the manufacturing costs that like you don't need to make this like camera hump that has six different nodes in it. And like you can you can actually probably just optimize what you have. The cameras on the OnePlus AT are not bad. They're not bad at all. They just don't blow me away in a way that makes me want to do a full video on it like there are some new features that i highlighted in my initial review and i will highlight in my final review but then i could count Mm -hmm. those on one hand so that was my whole point is like yeah it's not a huge upgrade even hardware wise especially hardware wise yeah i'm i'm gonna be interested to see i i still have my comparison between the 8t and the nord because both of those cameras share the same uh, main sensor on the back of the phone. Um, so just to see how how those two devices actually compare, because there are going to be some differences in how they're processing the images, I believe. Um, so, I mean, the 8T is a $750 phone. The Nord is, what is it, 450 euro? Something and, like that, yeah. You know, we're still not sure if a device is coming to the U.S. or not. Who knows? Um, but uh, you know, the, the, the one other thing to consider though, like this phone here in Europe is about 50 to a hundred dollars cheaper than it is here in the U S because they have a 128 gigabyte version rather than the 256. Mm. So this phone, the AT is cheaper by fi- in, I think the UK it's 50 pounds cheaper than the galaxy S 20 FE and 50 pounds cheaper than the Pixel 5, where that's in the US, it's $50 more expensive. So wow. depending on the market that you're in, it could have a completely different effect on the value proposition of the phone because uh, here in the US, this is more expensive than the Pixel 5 and the Galaxy S20 FE, but in Europe, it's the opposite. It's about 50 pounds or 50 euro cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, The uh, yeah. there's a funny thing too about OnePlus is that they sometimes their value propositions are way better outside of the U S not that it has to be that good in the U S like it's mm-hmm. their business, but um, yeah, it, it, it usually ends up that way. Like for example, even the Nord just coming out in India, like, okay, no Nord here, even though we feel like that would sell really well. The thing is yep. by now, if the Nord comes out in the U S we have these other three phones at around 600, $500 that will just demolish whatever the Nord will bring to the table, I feel like. I don't know. Like, would you... A OnePlus Nord versus a Pixel 4a 5G. 
and it's $50 cheaper. I think I would still go for 485G. Right? But I mean, the Nord would have the better refresh rate. It would have more RAM, most likely. It would have eight gigabytes of RAM. So the like overall performance would be better. And so you you get into the, the well, is software more important for you or mm -hmm. is build quality? Because the build quality of the Nord feels much better than the Pixel 4a 5G. Let's, let's just be honest. Like, even though it has a plastic frame it's plastic. on the rock back. Yeah, both it's, phones are completely it's glass plastic. on the... No, it's glass on the back. Oh, I mean glass, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's glass on the yeah, back of the Nord. The frames are plastic as well. The frame is plastic, yeah. So, I mean, so, like, you get a difference in build quality. You get a difference in design. So, like, the value proposition goes one way. Like, do you care if your phone looks better than the other? Does it feel better than the other? Do you care that you have more camera sensors on the back than the other? Um, and so, like, there's a lot of different points there. And I think it comes down to what would the price be uh, for a Nord if it comes to the U.S.? I have no clue. You know, you make a good point. Um, all of this assumes that a U.S. Nord will be the same as the Nord we know now. Um, and which that's, is that's very true. Yeah. Which is my main point is because if they're going to try and create a phone at a U.S. under $500 price point, I think there's a lot more concessions that have to be made in the U.S. to create that kind of phone compared to like China or India. Um, because historically, phones that come in at under that price point can be pretty powerful. But here in the U.S., for some reason, we have this weird market where it's kind of hard to create that phone. Yeah. Um, the, the that being th said, they could just shock us all and say, hey, it's $350 and price it like the Pixel 4a. <laughs> Fair. Um, I will give right. the I will give the Nord we currently know some credit though that if it was this if it was the current Nord up against the Pixel 4a 5G, Nord does have wide on the front at 4K, which is pretty cool for me. So um, mm -hmm. I have to give it some props in that in that regard. And of course, Oxygen OS. But when you're putting Oxygen OS up against the Pixel launcher, I think it's kind of a dead heat. I like both personally. So what's your take? So Oxygen OS has been out with their new beta for a while and the new build and the software look and feel because it's it's a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Tiny what's bit, yeah. what's your feel on how how things have progressed because it feels I said it in one of my videos. It feels a little bit one UI-ish. You don't see it a lot on the home screen, but once you pull down the notification shade and get into the first party apps on the phone, it feels a little bit like Samsung. I think that they not all the ads. I think they've actually taken a half step back. And that's not to say it's a bad operating system. It's still clean. It's still got the same features and it's still and it's got a few new ones that I kind of like. But here's where I come from with it. Um, one of the biggest strengths that OnePlus has had is that even though it is technically a Chinese company, it doesn't have the same issues of your typical Chinese company. Like like uh, things haven't been lost in translation. The actual localization of their mm -hmm. software is not that bad. What I noticed here is that a little bit of that is bleeding through a bit. Like we're kind of still in beta stages with the OnePlus 8T because on the one hand, I've already seen words go off the the the, the area that they're in. I think the word notifications uh, was cut off. So it said notificato. And um, so there was one. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm, like, okay, that was a first. It's been a long time since I've seen that on Oxygen. And the other thing is this Insight AOD, this Insight always on display, it's a good looking always on display. The explanation in the settings makes no sense to me. No, no. The way it's worded is so like 
MIUI or <laughs> EMUI, like it has that sort of nebulous language to it, which might be a translation thing or something else. I don't know. So those were the two things Granted. that made me think something's going on here. Something is up with Oxygen OS that we're taking a half step back. Granted, we are supposed to expect at least one more update to the yes. device before the final software, the final launch software is available. So some of those things could be tweaked. But as far as the overall user experience, they, they've told us nothing is going to be dramatically different. It's going to be some minor bug fixes here and there. And honestly, yeah. I haven't noticed any real bugs, except I did someone notice some of those things, like you said, like just the verbiage around some of the things that they're doing but that's that's an easy fix um but yeah it's i think it's funny when companies come out like five years later we're doing an always on display and we've been using oled panels for years now i'm like how has really and, how has no one they, found they a way a, to just make an app you know how you know how like sometimes oh, these there are, are apps there's our apps that you can use always on displays there have been apps for always on displays for like five or six years oh, have I, there? I did a okay. video i did a video how to add an always on display to any android smartphone five years ago oh okay well done like i haven't so, thought about it it's been a long time see my my android sort of like maturity has been my, my journey in android has been so weird because i used to be that i used to be the the romer slash hacker slash jailbreaker type so was like, i yeah it hasn't happened in decades <laughs> or half a decade so yeah like i i should have known i you know what i take it back i should have known that there were going to be apps like that in the in the play store um but yeah like okay cool. i mean they're they're not really truly optimizing always on display so that your battery life isn't going to drain all the time but mm -hmm. So like you can do it to any smartphone with even an LCD screen and put an always on display on Fair. on those as well. Um, but it, it's one of those things where always on, if you go to the OnePlus forums, it's the, because you can request features and stuff like that mm -hmm. within the forums. It's the most requested feature for like five years. And they they made a point of it uh, during the, the pre-brief was like, yeah, people have been asking for this for a long time. It's the number one feature that people have been asking for for a long time. So we're finally doing it. Um, but yeah, so they're they're launching with an always-on display, but then they're actually going to be taking it one step further with some additional features coming in uh, later this year. I don't know the exact date, but it'll be getting even better. So it's not not going to be limited to what you see at launch yeah all right so some heavy device talk we are going to just so everybody knows in the mainline episode for this podcast we are talking about the lg wing so if you um haven't seen the episode come out yet uh, of our half hour talk about the lg wing with all of you on instagram live look forward to that coming out very soon um so look out for that episode here on the podcast feed uh, so yeah uh, nick and i are going to get onto instagram live in a little bit have the post show hangout the post show lg wing the post show q a uh, but yeah before we do that nick go ahead and let our uh podcast audience know where to find you as usual you can find me personally on Twitter at Nick M. Gray, but most of my videos and coverage of all these Android devices that we've been talking about are on YouTube, youtube.com slash Fandroid, or uh, you can head over to Fandroid.com and read all of our written coverage as well. Look, for, look forward to even iPhone coverage soon. <laughs> yeah, iPhone coverage. <laughs> so funny. How it always happens. freaks people out. Every time we post something regarding an iPhone, people are like, what is this? I thought you were an Android site. I didn't come here for this. Do, is there a YouTube channel called iSheep? Because I really want 
so there, there probably be. is there's yeah. got to be a there's got to be something i mean there's gonna, there's going to be everything there's going to be samsung sheep and what yeah like, by uh, the way if you want if if anybody out there not that anyone should um if anybody out there is looking for like a feather in their cap to say hey i got banned by this youtube channel use the word sheep we dare you go ahead <laughs> immediate ban because if you bring that if you bring that noise to our channel comment sections like get out of here like whatever anyway before i get too angry about talking about youtube comments let's go ahead and get into the outro starting now Another thanks to Nick Gray of Fandroid for being on. Uh, he's one of our regulars here on the show, and it's always great to have a talk with him uh, every week whenever we have him on. Uh, also, I want to make sure that you get to the show notes so that you can follow him and myself across the interwebs. You already heard Nick's links. You can also find me on social media under uh, the handle at JVTechT on Instagram and Twitter because you know me. I'm JV. I love tech, and I love to drink me some tea. You can also follow my YouTube channel where I'm doing a lot of work on all of these devices that you might be seeing otherwise on Pocket Now at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. But you know how to find Pocket Now. Pocket Now is available on Twitter and Instagram at Pocket Now, and of course at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pocket Now, where videos are coming up basically every single day. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Thank you for listening to this mainline episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Look forward to the extra half hour, the Instagram live recorded uh, Q&A slash hangout session that we did talking about the LG Wing. Uh, so look forward to that here on your podcast feed and then we will see you in our next episode.